I mentioned before, this is an annual and special service here at Wellsprings, your one wild and precious life. We'll hear a question that I'm about to pose to you answered across the ages here from Wellsprings today for particular wild and precious lives. And this question comes from a poem from Mary Oliver. Some of you may know, some of you don't. It's called The Summer Day. And it goes like this. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. The one who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? First of our precious lives that we're going to invite up here will be Wild and Precious Cole. Good morning. My name is Cole Kerber, and I'm six years old. I have three brothers, one Charlie and Dean, and a dog named Sammy. Sometimes I get mad and grumpy. Sometimes I'm very excited and happy. These are the things that make me unhappiest. The first thing that makes me happy is my dog, Sammy. Fur is so soft. Sometimes I take him on a walk. When I watch, when I watch TV, I like to sit next to him on the couch and snuggle with him. I love Sammy, and he loves me. The second thing that makes me happy is my mom. He's really nice to me, and sometimes lets me do stuff I want to do, like watch TV, play chess, her, and go on hikes. My mom is silly sometimes. I love that because it makes me laugh. We like to bake together. That makes me happy as we get to spend time together, just me and her. The first thing that makes me happy is my dad. He takes me to the water to swim. Sometimes I put my friends there and I love to swim. My dad reads me before bed and it helps me go to sleep. Right now he's reading Aragon. He's also with me, the Hobbit, the Lightning Thief, and Tarzan. Sometimes he takes us to fun walks in Marsh Creek. I like to see his flashes from the big walks. The fourth thing that makes me happy is God. I love God because he made the things that make me happy, like Sammy, my mom, my dad, and my brothers. I think he's always with me. He's always watching over me because I think he's magic. God is going to help me figure things out in my life. Here is what I plan to do with my wild and precious one. I want to be a veterinarian so I can take care of animals. I want to have my own pet dog. I want to go to China to see panda bears on the Great Wall of China. 
I want to be married so I can have a happy wife. I'll have company in my house so I won't be by myself. I want to run my bundles, make new friends, and be nice to the people that I meet. Thank you. Chris and I'm 24 years old. I think I'm at a po point right now where what is most important is finding something that's truly meaningful to me for a career. Um, the balancing act of college and work is over at this point unless I decide to go back and the urge to start a family of my own is not full in, fully in focus. Uh, only the feeling of being here with what could be a decent career and re realizing I don't really desire it sits in my stomach. From the age of about four, four or five, I was captivated by science fiction and fantasy movies that I probably shouldn't have been watching, like, <laughs> like Terminator or, or Blade Runner, where we caught my eye. Um, as I got older, I found the prospect of what could be more interesting than what was. Through the mechanism of science fiction in high school, I developed an interest in genetics my sophomore year, I discovered there was going to be a class on genetic engineering during my junior year, but I could only get in if I were selected by a teacher I didn't know, other than she was a mentor for the college robotics team, or for the school robotics team. So I joined and found out just before summer break I was invited to take the course. But my dad had decided to move in with his now wife so I would be changing schools. My dad didn't understand that the robotics team had only been a mechanism for me to get to the class that I wanted to. Uh, he found a program for me that would allow me to get college credits while in high school at the Center for Arts and Technology. Um, and when I, saw, when I got in and saw how proud he was of me, I couldn't bring myself to tell him this hadn't been what I wanted. My senior year of high school, I began uh, to develop a de desire to teach through working with the freshman electronics class, as well as a connection with my shop teacher that I have maintained over the years, still occasionally going to help with the test proctoring and judging senior presentations. While attending Penn State, I became increasingly certain that I had misinterpreted my own desires based partially on what was reinforced by my family. I was writing short sci-fi and fantasy stories in my free time, and have since realized that maybe this is what I really wanted all along. I couldn't bring myself to change my major when my grandfather told me that I was following the path that he had wanted to take. Having attended a technical school for electronics, but being unable to attend college, uh, he soon after discovered he had cancer, and I wanted him to see me graduate and get a job. I initially felt a great sense of accomplishment and pride seeing how hard a time many of my friends were having starting their careers after college and knowing that I had made my dad and grandfather proud, but I soon came to realize that wasn't enough because it wasn't truly what I wanted. Those experiences I had and enjoyed where I felt, where I felt the pull to be an author or a teacher were what I desired. 
I took the wishes of those around me, my parents, my grandfather, and internalized them. I wanted so bad to make them happy that I neglected what I wanted. Money and visible success aren't what is important to me. I just want a sense of fulfillment. Recognition no longer seems as important as it once did. That ability to inspire that seems innate to either of these other paths is what truly seems important to me, much more important than the amount of money I make or the ease of finding a job. As long as I eventually have the ability to support myself and a family that I do not yet think about. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, I'm Caroline Pelly. Good morning. Make a confession, start off with a confession. Um, I like roller coasters, really dislike simulators, okay? <laughs> These seemingly small statements actually for me feel quite profound. You see, over the last decade or so, I have become more and more detached from actually knowing myself my likes, my dislikes, my passion and fear. Not intentionally, of course, but more as a subtle reaction to the busyness and the responsibilities of my life. I am a mother, a wife, and the primary breadwinner for our family. I've been all of those things for nearly 13 years, some of them longer. <laughs> while, I, while I dearly love the identity that comes with these roles, I've also discovered that the safest way to ensure competence in balance with these roles is to really wall myself off from engaging too deeply, risking too much, or opening up to the spontaneity and, yes, uncertainties of life. As a matter of fact, I've built a very rational story, at least to me, that if I attend events, family outings, recitals, and games, that if I provide for my family well and give generously to, of my resources to those in need, that is, that, that would be enough that I don't really have to engage deeply to participate fully. I just really had to show up. So recently, my husband and children and I traveled to Disney. We spent a week visiting each of the four Disney theme parks. As many of you know, our family moved to this area about two years ago so that my husband could become the intern minister here at Wellsprings while he finished seminary. This family trip was planned as an intentional time out from the busyness of our lives and an opportunity for us to reconnect as a family. I will admit, theme parks and amusement parks, totally not my thing <laughs> at all. I agreed to this vacation destination as I often do because I thought it would be great fun for the girls and for Greg. <laughs> I was right on that, by the way. Uh, I would go, and really there was little expectation that I would ride a lot of the rides. Um, I was fine just hanging out while they rode the rides and experienced the parks. But as the dates for the trip grew, grew closer, my focus for the trip altered. In part due to the underlying messages of many Sundays here at Wellsprings, things like be attentive, be present, be mindful. <laughs> Partially because of my general sense that I was being just a little bit stingy with the giving of myself to my family, and finally, as a desire to engage and not just observe, 
I made myself a promise, and a simple one really at that. I would participate. I would try it all. I would be present. I would not observe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what an experience that was. Okay, so I wrote everything. Everything from It's a Small World, which is of course the only reason I wanted to go to Disney World, <laughs> to the Aerosmith Rockin' Roller Coaster, oh. from the Mission to Mars, oh, make me sick, to the Haunted Mansion. Pretty much if anyone in my family wanted to do it, I was there. I did it too. Some observations I'd share about my family and myself based on this experience. First of all, I really like roller coasters. <laughs> Who knew? Secondly, I really dislike simulators. <laughs> they make me sick. My kids are fearless. And to let you in on a secret, my husband giggles like he's about four <laughs> when he's having fun. Okay, him and Pooh. I've got pictures. That's all I gotta say. Um, Grace says the funniest things. She very may well be one of the more creative and clever minds I know. Sydney captures moments in pictures and on a spur can edit and collage them, sending them off into the internet and making everyone feel like they were part of the trip with us. Um, salted caramel ice cream, if you haven't tried it, is like the ultimate best treat, especially when you're sharing it with a preteen. Um, and fireworks every night are magical. You're never too old to experience magic. So if I'd hung out, if I had just been on the sidelines, if I were my normal disengaged self, I would have probably missed all of these yet again. For me, my wild and precious life comes when I do more than just show up. It requires active participation. It requires risk. It requires the aliveness that comes from the uncertainties. It comes when I'm really able to declare like roller coasters <laughs> and this enables the fulfillment and the connection that means everything thank you hi I'm Kathleen Higgins when Reverend Ken asked me to share on this Sunday, um, I asked myself, what, what should I say? I don't have any advice to give, but wait. <laughs> I do have some. It's probably best to manage your ethics such that you stay out of jail. <laughs> Unless for a good cause. So then I ask myself, what do I bring to the party? If you're seeking the, the comfort of someone to sit with you quietly, I would recommend you not start with me first. <laughs> However, if you are suffering a dilemma or facing a challenge, um, I can usually offer an insightful question for you to ponder. So I ask myself a better question to ponder. How is it with my wild and precious life? How is it in my 60th decade? Like everyone, um, I've had challenges and troubles and sorrows and regrets. But now I thought of that quote that we often share from Rumi. There's a field beyond right doing and wrong doing. I'll meet you there. 
you have a slide? And it's pretty dark. And I was worried it was a little bit dark. What it is is a lovely path, a curving path, that is surrounded by the wild and precious forest. And I did not know we were going to have that song we just did. But I wanted to invite you to come along that verdant path in an imaginary forest with fellow creatures all around us and this dense path with luscious growth. And I want you to imagine with me now just for a moment what we're hearing. We hear the sound of birds chirping, squirrels chattering, leaves soughing in the breeze. We can feel that slight damp breeze in our faces and the spring in your step as you walk along the path beside me in the forest floor. The smell of a sweet blooming vine in a clearing just ahead, perhaps like the song, Honeysuckle. This path represents my joy in my 60s, a path to learning, learning to be present, learning to be ever more aware, walking my spiritual journey toward that field beyond right doing and wrongdoing. One of our hymns here at Wellsprings says it best for me. I walk that path with a reverent air because everything is holy now. How is it with me in my 60s? I have an abundance in my life of what I've heard happiness is made of. I have plenty of things to do, plenty of places to go, and plenty of people to love. Folks in my community, my colleagues at work, we here at Wellsprings, my friends all over the world, my family, which now includes my first great-grandchild. Molly Rose was born June 30th. And of course, my husband Pete and our romance. I want to quote an author named Nicholas Sparks. He wrote in The Notebook what I would like to say. I'm nothing special of this, I'm sure. I'm a common person with common thoughts, and I've led a common life. There are no monuments to dedicated to me, and my name will soon be forgotten. But I've loved with all my heart and all my soul, and to me this has always been enough. So finally, if this were to be my last hour, I've already had a wild and precious life, and I'm glad. I'm glad to be, and I'm glad to be here with you, and I'm glad that you are here with me. So, would you pay, pray with me, please? Join our hearts in prayer. God of wildness and preciousness. Wildness, a life too large, too complex, too amazing to ever think we could tame it. Wildness that says to us there is always more to do, to learn, to develop, to grow. Wildness which can be scary, yes, but wildness that also says we are a part of, not apart from, the universe. 
wildness that beckons us on into the uncertain, growing, developing future, and equally as important God of preciousness, this preciousness that speaks this truth that we have belonged from the moment we have been born, that we truly are a part of and not apart from. And so may this preciousness call us back, call us back into loving accountability with all of the ways that we unnecessarily set barriers between ourselves and this life. Call us back to the preciousness that is both our birth and our destination and can attend us all throughout our days speaking these words. We belong and we are beloved. May we answer the call for ourselves this day of living a wild and precious life. And may we all have a blessed Thanksgiving. Amen.